0: You the adventurer, yes you, do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power, a codex of untold stories and lore, or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes,
1: or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here.
0: Everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and
2: Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel.
0: Taylor Stanfield,
2: and I'm Travis Beasley. I have the funniest story. Oh my
0: god! Yeah, I feel like you—you you feel like you already know what this story is by your reaction.
1: He's been excited about this story for a little while. So, what what story is this? The
2: uh, local I got called um, out the local uh, Walmart that we go to for
1: we our have, grocery needs.
2: We have made friends with one of the morning stalkers there because we get off so early.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a real effect when you work weird hours like we do. And also when you work small town or when you live in a small town like we do. Like I'm pretty sure
0: the cashier at the gas station that I go to to get both my gas and my beverages, like it's always one of the same two. And I'm pretty sure they both think I'm like a weird vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just I'm trying. Because I just roll up there in the middle of the night with a full face of makeup and like slightly, maybe not exactly fashionable, but like a look street clothes. So like, yeah. I'm clearly doing something.
1: Right. It, it it wasn't just thrown together. It was clearly. It was out.
0: intentional. It wasn't like I'm going to put on tra- track pants and a shirt. Anyway, sorry to derail. But for those of you who work our kind of hours or maybe like you said, small town living, you know, what we're
2: talking about there anyway. Yeah. So I ran into him. Yesterday,
1: it should be noted that he loves D and D, and that's actually how we started talking. He
2: is an older generation D and D player; like he played it back in the seventies and eighties.
1: Well, that's nice.
2: Mm -hmm. So we've had several conversations (laughs) with him. He sees me, and we're talking, and he goes, "Hey, how's your girlfriend or wife or whatever she is." And Aww. I was like, she's at home and she's doing all right. He goes, you know, I saw her walking through the other day and I looked at her and knowing that she plays d and I just sat there and thought, you know, I bet you she plays an elf.
1: I was called out <laughs> viciously and brutally. It was not nice. It was unprovoked and I did not deserve it.
2: So I just kind of <laughs> laughed. I was like, you know, you're not wrong because she is planning on playing an eladrin in our next campaign. And if she's not playing an elf, or a variant of she's playing a tiefling. <laughs> and we had a good long laugh because, like, he nailed that. He pegged you perfectly. I yeah.
1: was viciously attacked in my own home.
2: Okay, first of all, it was in Walmart. <laughs> Second of all, there. you weren't even there. Yeah.
1: And
0: that actually makes it worse, because, like, she wasn't even there to, A, defend herself, or, B, like, look abashed. I don't want do What do I look like I play? Witches. <laughs> Fucking.
2: Or vampires.
0: I mean, to be fair, actually, neither of you are allowed to answer that for real because you know, like, so. It... Elves, half elves.
2: Farm boys.
0: Hey, that was one time. The, the farm boy cannibal was one time. Magically inclined people with lots of quirks. I mean, that's like most people who play D and
2: no,
1: actually not. That's no. inaccurate. That's yeah. Well, if we want to dissect your history, <laughs> see, that's a whole
2: other episode.
1: And Travis doesn't <laughs> even look like his favorite at all, so it's difficult.
2: No, I'm six foot and I like to play gnomes, So,
0: I mean, see, this is like this is like me with um like ages of people. Like once you know how old someone is, it's hard for you to say objectively like oh you look like you're 25 or whatever whatever right so like once you know what kind of characters someone plays in dungeons and dragons like classes and races and things like that it's hard to look at them and say like you know
1: right like they're definitely into this exactly now personality wise i feel like most people who know (laughs) travis would be able to like figure out exactly what he does because he likes to play the maniacal crazy Yeah, kind of... Are
2: you calling me crazy?
1: Kind of sketchy. Yes, I am. I feel like I have the right to.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: Yeah. Uh, But it's just... It's kind of funny how how often, like... Because I would say that I try and maintain a decent variety when I play. I obviously have my favorites, but I... I try and have a decent variety, but it's just funny that something about me just screams elf. See, you say that, and I'm like, yeah, that's reasonable. I I think I reflect that
0: too, and I'm trying to literally play another half elf.
1: Yeah, first campaign you ever played, you played a half elf, just straight up and down half elf. Then you played a gnome. Now we're back to half elf. To be fair, half
0: drow. Half so it's elf. like a little different. It's
2: still a half elf.
1: I mean, when did this turn on me? It's it's everyone. I just attacked him too. Everyone gets wait everyone gets attacked. I Yay. mean, I feel
0: like I feel share the love. I feel like calling somebody like sketchy like crazy is not as much of an insult as just I didn't what call I call to sketchy. I call him sketchy. Fair.
2: I have no comment. <laughs> of course you don't.
1: But that said,
0: I'm I hope you'll you'll be able to like recover and heal from that vicious uh Vicious mockery, if I you don't will. know. I don't know if I can get through this episode. Hey, Taylor, we're here for you. Thank you. Try your best.
1: But that said, I did not know how I was going to make it through this episode in the week leading up to it. Because I went through a lot of different ideas before I settled on what we're going to research today. As you do.
0: Or at least I say you, the general you. Yeah. Because I do that.
1: I've been doing a lot of research for my character backstory for our new 5th edition campaign. And at first, I kind of just wanted to use the information I've needed to use for that to find a topic in there. Unfortunately, almost everything I wanted to do on that was either I didn't have enough information to do a whole episode over. Mm -hmm. Or it required a complete episode of another topic to be done beforehand. So I did a lot of work there for potentially future episodes. But not for this episode. And then I looked through our suggestions to see what hadn't been... What we hadn't started research on yet, what we hadn't, like, claimed and said, I want to do this in the future. And I played around with a few ideas, but ultimately all the stuff I was really excited about needed more than a week's of research. Yeah. It was too in-depth, and what I could research in a week was just not enough to go on. One of those things was... I know the last thing that I told you that I was going to do whatever I text you and I'm like really excited. I'm like, I'm going to do this over the colts of the dragon below. And you're like, okay, no, I'm not doing this over the colts of the dragon below. Which you literally
2: told me as I left for Walmart yesterday that you were going to finish research on that. And now it's something (laughs) totally different. I was gone for an hour.
0: We've actually, we just descended to another level of called out right there.
2: Look.
1: So, yeah. so uh,
2: what did you land on, if not the cult?
1: I was really struggling with how I was going to finish this. But then I remembered this wonderful email we got a few weeks ago from Anthony.
0: Thank you, Anthony.
1: Anthony suggested a number of things. Thank you so much, Anthony. In addition to clearing up a lot of questions we'd had about Eberron during our Dragon Marks episode. And like so many people, I assume, Anthony enjoys Eberron. I enjoy Eberron. Luna enjoys Eberron. You enjoy Eberron. It's okay. It's
2: been pretty pretty awesome so far, actually.
1: <laughs> um, as you know, Eberron was the campaign setting created by Keith Baker for 3.5. So this week, we're going to jump back into Eberron to discuss some early creation myths and the earliest history of this amazing setting. Thank you so much for your suggestion, Anthony. And
0: telling us we're funny. Yeah. <laughs> like... Also, thank you for that. <laughs> thank that, you for that.
1: Yeah.
2: So, so, hold on. Let, let me, let me just get this straight. So, Sunday, you finished editing. Monday, you started researching for the cult. Tuesday, yesterday, in our case, you were going to finish researching, but changed it to instead cover what I'm going to assume is an even broader topic. Okay. And finished it. Okay. In a day.
0: Knocked out, dragged outside, tied to vehicle, Get in car, start car, and, like, go. That's what you just did. Hold
2: on. I'm not done yet. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm not done yet. Are you about to put it in reverse? You finished research for an entire campaign setting, the earlier stages of it at least, the earlier histories and creation myths, in one day. Is this correct?
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Nope. Hang on. I ain't done yet. Good job.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that is very very impressive. Yes. In my defense, and to take away from the amazing compliment I just received, thank you so much, both of you, a lot of this I actually did research into a lot of the early stuff for the Cults of the Dragon Below, so I had probably about half of the research, maybe a little bit more already done. So there's done. a
2: foundation. Yes. Okay. So you already had like a little a foundation for it, and then just decided to go a different direction. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Also, like I will say, the the idea of you also having done this whole thing in an entire day, like 100 of it, is also believable, and also like kind of takes me back. Yeah. To, to high school. To me in high
1: school. <laughs> to us in high school. Let's be perfectly fair.
0: Yeah like the when the when the teacher was like you can't finish this essay assignment in one evening i was like bitch, bitch try watch me. me watch me and then i, I bring the it the same thing the next day and get like a really good score i wouldn't and get like, a
2: really good score i would get like a 75 or an 80 which was good enough see this was back when i was like smart so <laughs>
1: <clears throat> okay well back on track
2: right i think we've uh derailed enough so what did you decide to tell us about eberron and its early history
1: yeah what's what's going on there well to talk about eberron we first have to discuss the progenitor dragons uh i mentioned before in the dragon Marks episode and travis i believe you expanded on slightly in the rakshasa episode the three progenitor dragons are sabaris kyber and eberron and they literally and physically created the universe more on that <laughs> Uh, Sabaris embodied magic, Kyber embodied the power of darkness, and Eberron embodied life. I've seen images where Sabaris is depicted as a golden dragon, Eberron is depicted as a red dragon, and Kyber is depicted as either a black or a blue dragon, but... All good color schemes. Yes. Together. Yes, very good. It's very beautiful, but for the most part, it's, uh, just remember is magic... Eberon is Life, Kyber is Darkness. Oh, that's a lot to remember. I don't know if I'm going to be able
0: to.
2: I probably won't. In fact, I've already... Also,
1: don't worry. I'll mention it several times. Thank you. Also,
0: quick sidebar. Can you spell Kyber for me? K-H-Y-B-E-R. Just had to add that extra H in there, huh?
1: Yes. That's all he had to do. Yes. I mean, it's very pretty. Like, and very draconic. I'll say that much. Yeah. So, the beginning of time itself in Eberron was called the Age of Dragons. The three lived in an empty universe and began working together to fill it with 13 planes. Yeah. Kind of your basic dandy set list. Right, yeah. As stories go, Kyber grew greedy and dark, and Seberis responded in force, each trying to gain control over their universe as Eberron attempted to intervene and keep the balance. On the final center plane, the material plane, Kyber attacked and killed Seberis, scattering his golden scales across the sky.
2: What a dick. Uh oh. Like, that's just a dick move.
1: It is. <laughs> Ever the gentle mediator, Eberron refused to fight and kill Kyber in retaliation. Instead, Eberron embraced Kyber, trapping her underneath her. They're both girls. I should mention that. Seberis is male. Kyber and Eberron are both female. Oh, neat. So. uh, Eberron trapped Kyber underneath herself. Eberron called on her powers of life, creating the lands and oceans, trees and water, to transform herself into a living prison to hold Kyber forever. Wow. This is the creation myth of the world itself. Eberron became the land and sea on which all mortal life lives, sustaining and nurturing her children. Seberus, the dragon above, became the heavens and hit... (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) His remains creating a ring around Eber on the planet and his scales becoming the skies. Let me try that again. And his scales becoming the stars. So his scales, it it basically like Like a little gold. Yeah. Yeah.
2: His scales are now the twinkling stars in the sky. It's
1: beautiful. It's poetic. It is. And it actually kind of reminds me of like some like real life creation myths for the stars and stuff. Yeah. It's very
0: romantic. I love it.
1: It is. And Kyber became the dragon below, the mother of <laughs> monsters, the source of all darkness.
0: <laughs> that was the realization I had, when yeah. you had. The dragon above, like my my monkey brain was like, what's the opposite of above?
1: <gasps> below. The dragon below. Ooh. Her blood and bones created the underworld, oh. which was in turn named Kyber.
0: Oh, oh, I have a I have a prediction. She has a cult devoted to her.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm. Kind yeah. of
1: actually, I will Say, when I eventually get to the cults of the Dragon Below, not a lot of them actually worship Kyber herself. Why the fuck not? Right? Because
2: Kyber's kind of a bitch.
1: That
0: sounds... No, this sounds great. I mean, she did kill... Sabaris was his name? Uh, yes. Okay. Like, that was a kind of a dick move, but like... Kind of? I mean, very much so. But like, I don't know. It just, that just sounds like something that some evil people would worship.
1: No, you're not wrong. I, I I'm with her on that. I mean, I agree. And the thing is, again, this is not an episode on the cults of the dragon below. Eventually, it probably will be a full, either a full episode or a little, an episode with a little bit of other religions in Eberron. Mm-hmm. But Kyber is not actively worshipped. Instead, what they worship is kind of the the land of Kyber. Mm-hmm. So the underworld itself and the Monsters that live there.
0: Okay. That's like the opposite of A little strange, but... They think that she doesn't want to be worshipped, but actually she does. Yeah.
1: Probably, actually. (laughs) You're probably right. But, I mean, she became the mother of monsters. So I guess you can say that they're kind of... By worshipping the monsters that live in the underworld, it's like they're kind of doing her service as well. It's kind of interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. There also aren't a lot of cults that worship Eberron or Seberis either. Why the fuck not? I know. More dragon worship. <laughs> but Kyber doesn't desire anything more than to just escape Eberron's hold and end everything.
0: So is, is Kyber... Did Kyber become the underworld in the same way that Eberron became yes like the planet okay so it's not like there's like this big ass black dragon just chilling down there
1: right it's like her blood and bones were so massive that they created catacombs and a labyrinth and
2: oh that's so cool so the world is her the world is her
1: well the underworld is her
2: the underworld is her
1: the land itself is Eberron
2: they live on dragons
1: they live on dragons and also there's a dragon in the sky
2: Imagine. I want to live on a dragon. I mean, if you believe some of the theories, we live on a turtle, but yeah, I want true. to go with a dragon. What about a dragon turtle? <laughs> Fuck yes. yes. Teach me how to take someone's like, pure essence away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't do think live? they do that in d and uh, I don't think they do Avatar either. The Last Airbender spoilers.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they cannot be considered spoilers at this point. If you haven't seen it. You should. You should. Go watch it. Now.
1: So, I believe we've previously mentioned the children of Sebaris. Yes. I believe specifically in the Rakshasa episode and others. Yes. So, in a traditionally dragon sort of way, the blood spilled of Sebaris. Where it touched Eberron, different children emerged. The life of Eberron combined with the magic of Sebaris to create the first mortal dragons. Where the blood... This is a beautiful poetic quote, so I'm sorry for the fact that I just started to do a different affectation, but I'm going to do it anyways. Where the blood of Seberus struck the clouds, silver dragons were born. It fell on the cold peaks, and white dragons rose from the ice. It struck the swamps, and black dragons emerged from the dark depths. And so all the dragons were born, mighty and proud, possessing the mystical power of Seberus and the vibrant forces of Eberron. I just got chills. Nice.
2: Are they multiplying?
1: i'm losing control uh it's actually kind of reminds me of the asgrath creation myth yeah yeah
2: it sounds very similar there's
1: a lot of blood a lot of bone like i said in a traditionally draconic kind yeah. of way yeah it's very it's violent it, it but seems beautiful. a lot
2: of draconic myth revolves around blood being spilled and them being born from this blood yeah which I'm not mad about. I'm just yeah. pointing it out that it's that's a common it's, it's thing. It's very violent and very beautiful, I, I <gasps> yeah. think.
1: And I like the the interaction of magic there, too. Like magic and like pure life force.
2: Yeah. Sort of. It's pretty, pretty badass. Yeah, I'm into it.
1: Dragons explored the world freely and wildly. Kind of an age of innocent exploration. There were no dark creatures born, no lesser races yet. Oh, which reminds me. Anthony informed us that lesser races are basically your traditional player races of D&D, which absolutely makes sense in hindsight. I just didn't think about it in that context.
2: Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. either until I read that email. Yeah. Because Ebron is basically... Dragon. Dragon, so lesser yeah, yeah. races are just kind of non draconic Everything else.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think we're we're influenced by the perspective of both being like actual humans ourselves. Yeah. And also that you think like not to say that D D is just like generic fantasy, but you think a lot of the time about like humans being like the dominant quote unquote common race. And then you have like yeah. elves, they're doing their thing, dwarves are doing their thing. But it makes sense from the perspective of Eberron being very dragon heavy that we would be like
1: lesser. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. And honestly, I'm going to blame part of the issue that our first campaign setting, at least you and me, Luan, was Faerun. where humans were very dominant. Exactly, hmm. Uh So the only you call it human rune.
2: <laughs> that is literally the stupidest boo. thing. Boo! Boo! <laughs> That's just a boo. <laughs>
0: It sounded better in my head.
1: <laughs> so the only other race at the time were the other children of Sebaris, the Quaddles. Oh. oh, those guys. Yes. I love those, those cute guys. little things. I think I mentioned briefly that previously that they reminded me of mythical Quetzals in appearance. Yeah. Yes. They're feathered serpents of Sarlona, which is... Hey, Sarlona. Who stood outside the cycle of life... Uh, so the myth goes that of all the blood of Sabaris that fell to Eperon and created dragons, there was some still that created life before it struck. And so the Coatles were born. They are truly immortal and powerful magical creatures only being reborn after death so that their numbers are constant. They keep to themselves and let the dragons roam free. They are essentially the Celestials of Eberron.
2: And they kind of do, like, what is that, phoenixes? Yeah. Like, they die and then are reborn. reborn from
1: the ashes, kind of, yeah. Holy shit. I want one. <laughs> I feel like
0: at that point, their relationship would be that the Coatl would have you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: especially since they're the Celestials. You know what, I'd be okay with it. And I don't necessarily mean as a pet, I just, like... As a friend? Yeah. Chill. Yeah. Like, I just want to kick it with a celestial, man. Me too. Me too. Smoke no, you know that what? celestial cloud.
0: No, Jesus. you know what? I want to no. I want to no. kick it with some like infernals, like some demons and stuff. Well, why
2: not both?
1: We're getting there. The and demons, oh? yeah. The um, demons. The dragons were so wild and free that they were no match for Kyber's children. No. Uh, Oh. In the depths, Kyber spawned Rakshasa, Aboleths, fiends, demons, and other monsters. Aboleths! Rakshasa. They overran the surface with such might and power and ruled over the surface in a nightmare kingdom for hundreds of thousands of years.
2: Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Damn.
1: Dragons were forced into slavery in what seemed like an endless nightmare.
2: Good job, Eberron. But yeah. you were supposed to stop this from happening.
1: Well, everyone's dead, kind of. Everyone is sustaining is keeping Kyber trapped. Yeah. It's uh it's confusing. She can't keep everything trapped.
2: That's fair.
1: And Sabaris is dead, and their children are just roaming the surface wild so and free. Like,
2: how do how, how do these wild and well, I guess over years of Slavery and war. You would learn to not be so carefree and learn to fight.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're just going around doing their the dragon thing. thing, learning dragon magic, breathing fire, exploring the Flying lands that their mother left for them. Just having a
2: grand old time. And then all
1: of a sudden, demons are pouring out and are like, "Yeah, this is our place now. Fuck you. Fuck all of you." And
2: most of them probably just like, oh, "Okay."
1: Oh, uh, oh, okay. oh, 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 God,
2: we can I mean, share. I wanted to live here, but that that's fine, that's I fine. guess. You can, that, that's my, nope, okay. okay.
1: And then, of course, the demons are like, you know what? Actually, we want to own you, so, like, you can do stuff for us.
0: Yeah. Though, to be fair, like, some of the ones that you mentioned, too, specifically within there, because you got, you're going to, like, demons and stuff, but, like, we've talked about why Rakshasa are... The way they are? ...scary. And dangerous. And we talked about why Aboleths, who also have a proclivity of enslaving other races, are scary and dangerous. So,
1: like, it's hard to think about anything trumping a dragon but like these things can do it. Yeah. And
2: like the early especially all together. Years of dragons.
1: Especially because they weren't organized. I mean, I cannot stress this kind of reminds me of like an Eden age of innocence. Mm. Yeah, they didn't know any better at all. Yeah, believe. like
2: there probably wasn't a lot of fighting amongst themselves.
1: Exactly. And... They're just doing their own thing, having a good time. Yeah, like it it's not even an age of primitivism. That's not even like the right word for me. It's just Seriously, I can only describe it as an age of innocence. Yeah, right. like they've
0: probably never known strife or pain or anything. They're just kind of having a good time.
1: Yeah. So there was a coatl named Heskalipa and a blue dragon named Orelonistrix. Orelonistrix, yeah. So Heskalipa and Orelonistrix. And for centuries, the two studied the stars and found correspondence in the stars with patterns that had appeared on Eberron. They believed that it revealed a map of the past and the paths that the future might follow. They believed it to be draconic prophecy created by Eberron and Sybaris themselves.
2: Hmm. So they were reading the stars, basically.
1: And they found, like, patterns that matched in the stars that they found on the land itself. Hmm. So they believed, like, Eberron showed this, Sab- or, sorry, Sybaris showed this, and then Eberron followed suit. Yeah. Uh, as in the... Sky, so the land hmm. kind of thing.
0: As as above, so below, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of, except for... Oh, right. I forgot to mention this. Sabaris is called the dragon above, and Kyber is co- called the dragon below. Eberon is called the dragon between.
2: Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. So as above, so between? So,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> fuck Kyber, leave her out of it. Yeah. yeah,
0: she's just... Fuck, fuck, fuck her.
1: But they became... They came to believe that this was... Created by Eberron and Saberis to guide the dragons and the Coatles to a lesser degree, but the dragons. It became hope and a cause to rally the dragons and the Coatles into fighting back against their immortal overlords. Because the demons, for the they're pretty much immortal, especially the higher up ones. Mm -hmm.
2: Abelis, Rakshasas. Yeah. Very hard to kill.
1: Yeah. You would have to know how to do it in this early on. They probably didn't. They well, All they knew was to fight back.
0: And you said the these dragons are mortal and the quaddles are immortal, correct? Yes. Okay.
1: So, like, the quaddles are, like, dying and coming back, but eventually they're going to run out of dragons if they keep losing. Yeah, exactly. And the quaddles, I mean... Yes, they die and come back, but they're still living in, like, this horrible... Yeah, they're being attacked and shit. Yeah, like, it's not a fun life. That actually kind of sounds like hell. Yeah,
2: that actually sounds really terrible. Dying and coming back, and Just even over... less and less of your mortal like, kin is dwindling and dying. and Yeah. So,
1: like, even though this draconic prophecy gave them hope, it still seemed hopeless. Yeah, like... like,
0: bleak as is- As hell. Yeah, Yeah, like, this was a
1: sliver of a chance in their minds, but it was still the only hope that they had. And even though it did seem so hopeless, as no simple spell or single defeat would be effective against them, Heskalipa eventually uncovered a path to victory, but the cost was terrible. Uh Uh-oh. The Coatl sacrificed almost their entire race and forged their immortal essence into a powerful sort of force field. to. Hold the overlords in the underworld.
2: So, in this case, the Quaddles didn't come back.
1: Yes, because they used their entire essence to create this. The Quaddles were reborn as this force field essence, hmm. and they can't Damn. come back from that because they're, they're actively hair. still there. Yeah. Uh, most of the demons were held back by this. There are only like occasional slip arounds, but all of the more powerful ones are held back. Like your. I'm not certain if he is in this, but, like, for instance, like, your Asmodeus would be stuck down there.
0: Your Asmodeus, your Ravana, mm-hmm. your, uh, oh, I forget what the... I mean, and this wouldn't necessarily be the same, like, Aboleth person. Right. But, like, but, the, the eldest yeah. Aboleth and stuff, they're all chilling down there. Uh, but, and by chilling, I mean they're actively imprisoned prison there.
1: <laughs>
2: and angry about it. Yeah.
1: Probably pretty pissed, yeah. Very few quaddles remained, very few lesser demons and fiends remained but the war was won and the celestials and fiends were gone and really only the dragons remained Hmm. so there's another myth in the 3.5 campaign setting that claims that sabaris Ebron, and kyber actually all three created the draconic prophecy and that it was their conflicts over that that sparked the conflict between kyber and sabaris but the outcome is always the same the fiends conquer the dragons, the dragons of the coadals find the prophecy, the coadals sacrifice themselves, and the dragons are left to study the prophecy.
2: Hmm. hmm. That's, like, the second one about all three of them making the prophecy and everything, that seems a little more odd to me, but... Yeah, it's... But, I mean, I suppose it could work, it's just still strange.
1: Right, mm-hmm. the original myth I was telling you guys about was the fourth edition, so I think it was the better revision of it. yeah.
2: Uh, Which is kind of like different paths to the same end.
1: Exactly. And point. honestly, that could just be like a hearsay kind of thing. Like, uh, oh, well, this area over here believes that they all created the prophecy. But
2: Where this area believes that only Sebaris, Sebaris and, and Eberron, Eberron created it. And it
1: was conflict over the plains that caused the strife. But... That's neither here nor there. It's just an interesting
2: little. Yeah. So now we're
0: we're here with
2: just dragons. It gives a good diversity in beliefs for the world itself. Exactly. Which
1: I really appreciate, like, just in terms of everything. Like, I cannot think of any medium I have ever, like, consumed where I did not enjoy the idea of there being, like, conflicting beliefs because of the fact that it just makes it feel more real. Mm Mm-hmm like if it, it makes it feel more natural and human because obviously you can have people who basically believe the same thing but they the way they get to that conclusion is so is wildly different. different. Yeah, or that
0: you can see two things that came from the same place and oh, yeah. diverged at a certain point like a key point. Yeah. Um yeah, no that's that's really good. It's it's solid world building, especially when it's not framed as like this not not this person is right as in they're correct. But like this is the good belief system and this is the bad belief system. And it you know, definitely yada, yada. feels more
1: like shades of gray and kind of yeah. thing. And the same shade of gray, but like different tones of it almost. This is too heavy color theory for me. Too heavy. color theory. <laughs> I'm sorry. OK. Um, A quick note about the number 13 before we move on. Oh. Okay. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by the number 13. And the letter F. No.
2: I don't know. E for Eberron.
1: Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's better. I don't know why I pulled F. So there's a reason why I said that. It's not because I'm making a dumb Sesame Street joke.
2: So 13.
1: There's a common theme of the number 13 in Eberron, specifically 13 minus 1. There are 13 planes, but only 12 of them interact with Eberron regularly. There are 13 dragon-marked houses, but one was destroyed. 13 recognized nations, but one was destroyed. In one of everyone's earliest ages, it had 13 moons, but currently there are only 12 visible. Hmm. This is referred to by fans as a Baker's Dozen, as a play on Keith Baker's name, and also, you know, the common phrase oh of Baker's God. Dozen, being 13. <laughs> it's just something really interesting that I found while I was looking this up, and <laughs> I wanted to include it because...
0: So that's, like, their version of, like, us with the number seven, the number three. Yeah. Um, the number 18. What are some other good numbers for that kind of thing?
1: Honestly, seven and three are the best I can seven, think Seven, three,
0: 18
1: another one. Tens, I guess. No.
0: No, yeah, no. Well, tens is, be- like, tens is rooted in our physiology,
2: though. Because we have ten fingers. I really don't know much about, number like, theory. number theory, so.
1: <laughs> but it's just, it's really interesting to me because, like, I just, r- what I read off to you guys is just, like, a short list. It's not even all of the short list that was given to me. It's just really interesting how much of like the world building is built around 13 minus one.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. That's really neat. Actually. And I like the fact that everyone just went off the pun of a baker's dozen. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty funny too.
1: Uh, So I have more about Eberron and the history and I'm happy to share it with you guys after we take a real quick break.
2: Well,
0: maybe a 13 minute break. Minus one. Minus one. OK.
1: Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt the history of early Eberron, but we're just going to do our real quick social media plugins, that kind of thing. First of all, thank you so much for listening. We love Eberron. First of all, we do. obviously. We
0: love talking about Eberron.
1: I think I already mentioned it at this point in the episode, but there is going to be a part two. It'll be in the next couple of weeks. Don't worry. It's coming. If you were worried. And the good place to know when the next part is coming is if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us there at Dungeonpedia, where you will receive updates, memes, teasers, and just general dungeon and dragoning. Dungeon
2: and dragoning. Dungeon and dragoning.
1: (laughs) Okay, look, you guys. No, I like it.
2: I like (laughs) that phrase. That's a good turn of phrase. Thanks. Yes.
0: let's, uh, Let's trademark it real quick. Okay. Um, we also have a Tumblr at Dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. I mean, pretty similar spec, but just more like... More art. reblog more art and things like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can also email us at Dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You know, we take suggestions for episodes, comments. General podcast suggestions. You concerns,
2: know. complaints, corrections. More concerns. Conversation.
0: Yeah. Just email us and be like, hey guys, what's up? I just got a panini. What'd you guys have for lunch?
1: <laughs> a panini? I like you know? how Lewin struggled to think of anything to eat for lunch. So
2: she went with
1: panini. panini. Not
0: just like sandwich.
2: Like specifically panini. Like could have been like a chili cheese coney or something.
0: Well, no, it's because of uh, it's because of a video I watched recently. The tabaxi is back.
1: <laughs> oh, You're not in this episode. Shh. <laughs> Hold on. we We got to record this ad break.
0: We don't want your input. We've already filed a restraining order.
2: (laughs) Oh. Oh. So, yeah. um, Just real quick. uh, Also, remember to rate us and subscribe to us on whatever platform you choose to listen to our podcast at. Subscribing is helpful for everybody involved.
1: Yeah. Best way to know when a new episode goes live. Like, ever on part two.
2: (laughs) Yeah. See? Another way that you'll be notified as soon as it goes live because generally we post our videos earlier in Video. the videos wow so uh, if you uh, subscribe you will be notified the minute one of our episodes goes live generally we post those earlier in the morning well early in the morning central time about 7 8
1: yeah in the usually morning.
2: i mean that's still pretty early in the morning anywhere else though yeah, yeah. and then generally we don't uh, post on our social media until about noon or 1 just want to make sure that everyone's up and awake so if you're awake before then and you want to get notified that we have a new episode, subscribe. Rating also just helps us kind of bump up in the list of all the newer podcasts that are popping up.
1: Especially because there are a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Thank the Dungeons and Dragons gods. Thank the Saldarine.
0: <laughs> or perhaps the... Uh, Is there a word for the, the dragon gods of Evron? The
1: progenitor dragons. Progenitor dragons. Progenitor or also the progenitor worms, depending. A W-I, or W-Y-R-M-S. Yeah. Yeah. Thank
2: you. <laughs> also, great way to get our popularity going. Just tell your friends. You know, casual conversation, talking about podcasts. Comes up, just be like, oh, hey, check this this just podcast like, out.
0: Slide across the table in front of them. Have you heard about Eberron?
1: You want to talk about Eberron? Let, let's, let's talk about Eberron. Or exactly. actually... Let's listen about Eberron. Yeah. Or Because that's what
2: we do to each other. Start yeah. writing little, like, post-it notes or just little notes, and, like, when you're at work, slide it into people's lockers. They'll have no idea who did it, just... Dungeonpedia.
1: Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia. Kind of like
2: the Grinch, like, sorting the mail.
0: Yeah. Don't... But
2: just everything says Dungeonpedia.
0: Is that solicitation?
2: Is it? I don't... No. I don't think so. If it is, don't do that. Find out if it is first
0: for us and then and then email us and tell us if it is um also thank you to alexander nakarada for the use of our theme song blacksmith hear it at the top and bottom of every episode yeah. yeah or the beginning and end if you will yeah
2: top bottom beginning end.
0: yeah are you are you a beginning or are you an end <laughs> tweet us and tell us
2: i hate you and with that i want to get back to Eberron. so taylor take, take us, us back, back.
1: Okay,
0: Okay. so it has been 13 minus 1 minutes, we are back. Correct.
2: So what else do you have? Okay. Minus a weird number theory.
1: <laughs> so after the Age of Dragons and the Age of Demons, something good has to take the stage, right?
0: No. Oh. I mean, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. I feel like we've explored
2: plenty of, of instances where but you I'm, think something good's going to happen. I'm going to have some uh, high hope here and say, yes, yeah, something takes place that's good.
1: I am not. I'm going to
2: say it gets worse.
1: So the first of everyone's children rise from the ashes of the Dragon Fiend War. Is it the lesser races? Kind of. The giants. Oh. The first giants. of the lesser races.
2: Which is funny. The giants were first?
1: Yeah. So the giants Damn. were the first to rise. And we got smaller. <laughs> Uh, they began to form their own civilizations and what would later be known as Zendrik, which is a continent to the south of Corbeir, which is the main player continent in ever campaign settings. Okay. An
2: entire continent full of giants. Yes, bitch. Yes.
1: Um, at first, they interacted with the dragons so much early on that they actually learned draconic magics and used them to build great temples, cities and monuments to their great Empire. That's actually sick as fuck. It's pretty that cool, is right? Amazing. It's it's pretty awesome. What happened? Yeah, although other lesser races were advancing at the same time as giants. Giants used the magics that the dragons taught them, alongside their massive size, strength, and influence, to enslave elves, eladrin, and drow. Um, among others, so we yeah. were both right. You were both right.
0: Like something good happened and something bad happened. Yeah,
2: yep. I had a I had a feeling that something <laughs> was wasn't going to go right with the giants. <laughs> yeah, something was going to be messed Why up. Why are giants assholes?
1: That's a very good question because it and the thing is not always and it depends on the giant and it depends on the setting because I, I've looked into giants before because I think that it'll make a really interesting future episode and there's a lot of really cool variations in like giant sub races right. giant kin because i believe like fur yeah. furbolgs
0: are giant Fir- kin
1: furbolgs are giant kin and honestly a lot of it varies from campaign setting to campaign setting because eberron turns a lot of stuff on its head yeah uh, like
0: but also to answer your question it could be just whatever the opposite of a napoleon complex is <laughs> and that's why giants are assholes
1: fair where you're big <laughs> so you take it out on everybody Rah, me big
0: Giants didn't talk like that. They seemed like they would be very educated in this, uh, this setting. But Again, yeah.
2: Well, okay, yeah. In this setting, it seems that way. Since they were able to actually learn draconic magic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and also, I, I think I know where you were heading. It kind of just depends on the giant in question. Yeah,
2: it depends on the race, because there are some giant races that are kind of not smart, like Eatons. They're uh, giant kin. They're just...
1: Stupid, and I'm pretty sure hill giants are also very stupid. But on the same coin, uh, storm giants are very intelligent and very moral. Yeah, but like it doesn't really matter because in Eberron, wait, moral or immoral? No, moral. Okay, I could.
0: I said, I said, yeah, I just agreed with you, and then I realized a second later I
2: couldn't tell if you said moral or immoral. (laughs) Sorry, true friendship, agreeing when you don't actually understand.
0: Yes. Listen, I, I thought I understood in the moment, and then a moment later I realized I didn't. So I clarified. Communication. Communication. That's what's good friendship, Travis.
1: That is what's good friendship. <laughs> 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 um, anyways, oh it doesn't re- really matter because, like, in terms of Eberron, the giants are just not good. They're dicks. They're, They're dicks. just
2: straight assholes, like, all around.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
2: So don't go to their continent that they created.
1: So the the funny thing is, in Eberron campaign settings, you can go to Zendrik. I'll get to that, actually. Okay.
0: Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Keep your secrets.
1: I will. Until later. So <laughs> the giants, in light of the recent power vacuum the fiends left, I say recent. Recent as far as, like... Time Re- works.
2: Recent in this particular
1: Yeah. Setting. In the scale, yeah. In the yeah. sc- grand scheme of things. They set out on a mission to conquer the world. As you do. Yeah. And they didn't quite get the whole world under their foot, as you can imagine. Many places never fell under the giant's exact rule, even though they said they were the rulers of everything. Anyways.
2: I feel like the dragons would have just been like, nah, bitch.
1: The dragons were still recovering.
2: Oh, that's right! Yeah. Shit, from the demon thing. Yeah,
1: they conquered, uh, but the giants conquered land in Corvair and in Sarlona, which is a continent to the west of both of those continents, uh, which is the cradle of human civilization. Cool,
2: cool, cool. Awesome. And
1: they even ransacked an Eladrin Fay spire, which is the Eberron equivalent to the Feywilds.
2: Ooh, they are straight up. Yeah, dicks. they're just they're just dicks. They
1: kind of are a little bit.
2: All right, that's fine.
1: So their rule went completely unchecked for a good period of time. They ruled with an iron fist. They had slaves.
2: Yada, yada.
1: It fairly advanced civilization. I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I'm picturing. Kind of like a Mayan sort of thing, mm-hmm. maybe. Aztec. Which one was like way, way like back ahead? Um,
0: I believe Mayan was older, but okay. Aztec was more
1: advanced. Well,
0: Aztecs had more slaves, I think.
1: I'll go with Mayan Let's for the say, sake of... We'll
0: say Mayan, Because yeah. I
1: am I'm, I'm mostly mean they were really advanced, way more advanced than everyone else at the time.
0: Like around them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, they went unchecked. This went on for a long time until beings from Dalcor, which is the plane of dreams, Ooh. decided to invade Zendrick. They were called the Quarry and they are Living embodiments of dreams and nightmares. That's
0: frightening. That is very frightening. (laughs) It is. That's actually, mm -mm, I don't like that.
1: Yeah, they're pretty much immortal. They live on the plane of dreams. Uh, They sought to dominate the material plane in order to preserve their nightmare realm. See, the plane of dreams can be shaped by mortal desires. And if the quarry can control the mortal world, they can control their own.
0: Yeah, so they can make whatever happen in their world that they want to happen by influencing mortals. Man, I was not with this this iteration of giants, because I was like, man, these guys are dicks. But, like, the the thought of that being, like, your enemy is very frightening.
2: I don't it like is, that.
1: especially because the giants are definitely kind of, like, uh, magic and strength, and then... Yeah, it's very, uh, very phys- physical. This fucking, like incomprehensible dream yeah. dream person
2: yeah it just comes out of nowhere and is like hey as what's opposed up? to metaphysical
1: right and they just attacked the entirety of zendric and the giants there and a great conflict began a new war basically and after years of battle with one another the giants were tired of it Yeah, naturally and instead of they thought for a moment and said you know what instead of fighting the uh, quarry Let's destroy the planar gate connecting Eberron to Dalcor. I mean okay.
2: that's smart of them. Yeah, seems like a
0: it seems like a good plan and concept that might have unforeseen consequences.
1: Yeah. So the way that the planes and Eberron work, I've mentioned on the Dragon Marks episode that the planes are basically shifting in and out of alignment with the material plane and are constantly in communication and doing stuff with the... With each other. With each other and yeah. the prime material plane. Well, they severed the interaction with Dalcor and completely severed regular interactions with the 13th plane and the prime plane.
2: Uh-oh. Spaghetti. So there's your minus one plane. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a victory, technically. But the disasters that followed blasted lands in half, sent some sinking into the ocean and drastically altered... The landscape of Everon. Uh-oh. So it wasn't just like people stopped having dreams. Yeah. The giants barely survived this magical... Catastrophe. Catastrophe.
2: Uh, I mean... Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and the explosion from a plane disconnecting from your plane sounds a little insane... Not insane. Intense. That's what I was looking for.
1: As a result, Dalcor, the plane of dreams, no longer regularly interacts with the prime plane. The only way you can visit it is in your dreams. There's no way to physically be there. Okay. And the quarry are stuck there. Even though they still want to try and control the prime plane, now they're stuck there. Which might have been
2: a good thing for the future of Eberron. Yeah, except for the fact that they found a loophole.
0: Uh, of oh, course there's it. always a loophole. Damn yeah. it. Yeah,
1: and this is actually really interesting and plays into several backstories and species in everyone. All right. Ooh, I like that. But that's not for this episode. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I know. it's just... <gasps> this is definitely... Is cold blood. Hey, this is definitely going to have a part two. Yeah. Probably sooner rather than later.
0: Why don't we just like look at like look it up live and just sit here for like
2: 5 hours? I feel like we might get at it a lot from this.
1: But this isn't the episode that it... I need to finish the story of the giants. Don't you want to know what happened to them? I mean, yes. most of them
0: died and then what? Okay, do they stop being dicks?
1: Their civilization was still there in Parts of it were in ruins, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can survive earthquakes. I mean, yeah, like I
2: said, most of them died, but they're still there. So what happened to the giants? Okay, yes, I appreciate your dictation. Tell me what happened.
1: In the ruins, a slave uprising began. Yes! Yes, bitch! Slaves demanded their release. Yes! Elves and drow, eladrin, all of them. They just were done with the giants and this they didn't ask for the fucking dalcor to try and kill them they were just out doing their thing and they were stolen so this is stupid mm-hmm. and the giants thought it was a great idea to threaten them with the exact same magic that had almost destroyed their kind con- their entire continent good job yeah yeah so like they just like <laughs> survived did
2: does it Did it work?
1: Uh, What happened? Yeah. In order to stop them from likely destroying the entire world, the dragons finally intervened. They finally got their shit together after the Fiend-Dragon War. Mm -hmm.
2: They were collective enough to,
1: to 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 do something. And they destroyed giant civilization with a magical attack, leaving them all in ruins. But just the giant civilization.
2: So giants are still alive, just their civilization has now been completely toppled and left Mm -hmm. in ruin.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: And the slaves are freed. Yay. Good job, dragons. See, I was thinking that maybe the whole
0: incident with Dalkor could have been like a a very extreme wake up teaching moment for... (laughs) Yes, Yes, a very extreme uh, teaching moment for them. To maybe not be dicks, but no. it doesn't look like it.
1: it no, they're, well. so they were still dicks. Anyway. Guess what? They are still dicks to this day. Aw. Shocking. Living among the ruins. The giants reverted to a primitive, monstrous sort of life in these ruins. And the ruins became perilous traps where old magic still activates Ooh, that the dragons had used. And time moves unevenly as a result of the blast from Dalcor. Could be fun to have your party... Yeah, around in mm, some giant ruins. Really Good. a fun campaign area.
2: Especially with the whole time moves unevenly. Like, does yeah. it specify if it flows slower, slower. or faster? Uh,
1: I believe what I found was in parts of Zendrick, time moves for every one minute that passes in the real world, 10 minutes pass in Zendrick. So it moves faster. So it moves oh, faster. faster. My bad. Yes. Wow. I can't. Uh...
2: Okay. So if a party goes there... And stays for, like, a day well, real but, time. Well, a day No, it would In be their a, time. A, a day in Sendrig, in, it would be okay, slower so, for, like, the rest of the... Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: So, in, an hour in Sendrig, if I'm doing my math correctly, is, like, six minutes... Yes. ...to the rest of the world. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. So, what, 24 times six... I can do math. I can't. It's, Me like, neither. 130...
2: Third
1: forty-four, uh, ten days. Ten days. Another way you could look at it is ten days 144? in Zendrick would be one day. Yeah,
2: one
1: hundred
0: and forty-four. Okay, It's just a cut a little over a couple of hours outside. Yeah. So you're in some like dark hour kind of.
1: Yeah, that is
0: bizarre.
1: But like you, like I was saying, you can you can use that as a fun little dungeon dive for your your adventuring party, and there are tons of cool ruins. But you have to be able to like investigate them. There's, yeah, and, there's Yeah, and not blow up
2: something. Not or... much
1: known about the continent of Zendric anymore because scientists and like anthropologists don't go there to research it.
2: Well, no, between the primitive giants that still live there, the magical traps are still
1: active, and the difference in time. It's pretty dangerous, I would imagine. From my preemptive deep dive, uh, the only other race that lives in Zendric is the drow who retreated to the Zendric countryside after the fallout from the dragons intervening on their behalf.
2: Ah, drow. So you have drow and giants that live in this world where
1: time, time is...
2: Way slower than
1: and the thing is nope, is faster. Well, that's yeah, faster. It. that's in that's in is that in pockets though or is that the I, that's whole... the thing is I think it's in pockets. I think there are places in there where time moves faster, and then yeah. there are places where it moves regularly. There's magical traps. It's like those
0: weird uh, areas of like spotty radiation and like Chernobyl.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like you can. It's kind of what I picture is you kind can of-
0: stand somewhere that's like perfectly safe, but if you walk like ten feet that way, you'll take in like. <laughs> More radiation than you should.
1: Kind of, yeah. So you'll be like moving normally and someone will be standing there and then you'll like speed up and slow down and speed up and slow down. Yeah.
0: How, how like messy would that look to like step in there though and like see your companions like outside of this kind of like little patchy area? Like
1: it's probably fucked
0: up. It's probably really trippy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's what happened on Zendrik. Elves fled to the island continent of Arenal, where they now reside in number and began to build their civilization and come up from their slavery. Elydrin began to thrive among back among the Fae. And on Corvair, a massive goblinoid kingdom was beginning to form. Hell yes. Goblins.
2: Get the goblin army ready.
1: Yeah. Uh, I wish I still had
0: your goblin miniature over here. It would have Aww. held him aloft, but I hand it back to you.
1: It was called the Kingdom of Dakani. And That's a cool name. It marked the rise of, the, or sorry, the beginning of Corvair's rise as the dominant continent of the world. Ooh. Also, orcish tribes were beginning to form up and they scorned civilization in order to focus more on primal magical arts and tribal living and living as nomads. Focus on getting back to nature. And I think both of these are really interesting topics for hmm. part two.
0: And and you said that the the human what would be the human continent is off somewhere uh it's fuck to the off west. to the west, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I said to the west, I meant to the east on both the times that I said that. So our loan is to the east.
0: Okay. So the other west. The other west. I mean to be fair, if you go if you go far enough around the globe, it's all the same. Yeah. I fucked up on that. That's you can just to just go, the east. You can go really, really far west and still end up on the east. I'm glad continent. you
2: caught that. Because people would have been correcting us. True.
0: I mean, to be fair, you misspoke. It's fine. It's fair. It happens. Yeah. It doesn't help that west and east look really similar. Just don't go one way
2: in hopes to land on one continent and end up on the other one and then name them completely wrong.
0: And also terrorize the people that live there. Also Also that. that. Don't do that. Columbus. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? Good. Because I didn't think people got it from (laughs) us saying it. (laughs) The way we did.
1: (laughs) But there is actually no other continent. Like, if you were to go west from Corvair, you would eventually hit Sarlona because of the fact that there's not another continent there.
2: It just kind of open. Yeah. And then, bam. Open ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the open ocean. (laughs) Beautiful. Fuck that. Wonderful. Love it.
1: But... Yes, I will discuss a the Goblinoid Kingdom and the Orcish tribes and the lead up to present day in our next episode on Eberron's history. Whenever we do that again, I think I might be doing it in a few weeks.
2: Yeah, Eberron's really cool. So chill out for a couple of weeks and, uh, and we'll go back to Eberron. We'll go back to Eberron.
0: Dang, yeah. The more I hear about this campaign setting, I really, really like it.
1: It's good. I'm not not even gonna lie. Is there Eberron for fifth edition? Yes. Uh, that's actually what a lot of the place I got the dragon marks uh, from is from fifth from edition. Is fifth edition? Yeah.
0: Oh wow. Also, I know we talked about this last time. We talked about Eberron, but can we just say like Keith Baker? What a what a
1: legend. Because like wasn't he was a fan, right? Yes, he was a fan who that wrote in, recognized. and it was uh, part of a. A campaign to find the next campaign setting. It was like they had something like ten thousand. I can't remember the exact number now because I had it in my notes for the Dragon Marks episode, but they had a lot of like thousands of people sent, submitted their yeah, campaign naturally. settings and Keith Baker's was chosen. What a what a legend. That's such a that would be like a dream come true.
2: Right. That is insane.
0: Not that I feel like I could write a full campaign setting. Because it's hard. It is. Especially
2: Incredibly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's subtle, subtle appreciation for Travis here, but also especially <laughs> for not just like one set of like your players, but the yeah. idea that multiple people would be playing this. A lot of DMs would be wanting to run this and do their own thing with it. That'd be very hard. That's
2: just that's a lot of it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility that I don't think I want a no part of.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's funny to think about it like as Keith Baker was a fan, and I know like. This isn't about favorite rune and forgotten realms and everything, but Ed Greenwood, too. Like, mm-hmm. he, he didn't create it for Dungeons and Dragons, but he created that entire campaign setting and its history just for his childhood stories. Yeah, it's, it's just really awesome. And I think that everyone just needs to, like, really appreciate the histories and the thoughts that go into yeah. the campaign settings.
0: Because this, and especially like this, this, uh, this episode is really cool. This history was, was really neat.
1: Yeah. And there's going to be a lot more in the part two. I already have some of the notes for that. I just felt like this was a really good place to stop.
0: Yeah, because everything's kind of leveled out it feels.
2: Yeah. A little bit maybe. And it leaves a good gap for continuing yeah.
1: yeah. There's going to be a lot more content in the next part two of the Eberron history. But Goblin Time. I just I I feel like it's important to realize exactly how much thought and effort went into this and just really appreciate it as like D &D players and dms and that sort of thing right but yeah that's all i got this Um, week just people who like good stories yeah yeah you know it's pretty good so it's a good story it's a
0: nice story
2: well just uh guess we'll go ahead and do our little closer and Let these good people get on with their lives.
0: <laughs> while, they, while they patiently or perhaps impatiently wait for Eberron History Part 2.
2: Part 2. It's coming
1: soon, I promise. I already have some of the notes for it.
2: Hell, at this point, I might be a little impatiently waiting for it.
1: Yeah, I actually am already. Like,
0: And I had to deal with this in person, y'all. I'm going to hack the... By hack the account, I mean log into it from my phone <laughs> or something. Yeah,
2: because we all don't have access to it. Right. Yeah,
0: I... I'm in. And then I'm going to read your notes ahead. I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. (laughs) But I would think about it.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Don't forget to give us a little follow on our various uh, social media platforms. You can get all of the funny behind-the-scenes stories on our Instagram and some spoilers and hints and whatnot on our Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr
1: memes. Well,
2: it's mostly art on our Tumblr, really, but even still, it's all good. They're all... Well, Twitter and Instagram are at Dungeonpedia.
1: And Tumblr is at Dungeonpedia.tumblr.com.
2: So we still have all the Dungeonpedia tags.
1: And if you want to send us
0: an email, like... Anthony did about our uh, older Eberron focused episode. You can send that to us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Also, just like
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank man. you, Anthony. We really appreciate it. Yeah, your emails are, are lovely. Everyone's emails are lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but specifically, <laughs> thank you to Anthony because this episode was kind of for you, Anthony. Yes.
2: And we have been getting some great feedback through him as well. So yes. we at least know what we're doing right, what we need to improve on.
1: Yeah. And thank you once again for listening. And we will catch you next week with uh, another great topic here on Dungeonpedia.